there's some things sometimes that sit right in front of us that, that we may not understand. We may not realize the, the importance of it. This isn't working, so I'm not sure if the screen's not clicked on or what. And that's why I have the question, what is Rise Chapel? Because sometimes it's easy to, to get caught up in going somewhere or, or, or working somewhere or, or living in a certain place or doing certain things. We don't realize, we don't realize at all, really, why we're doing what we're doing. And even for some of us that are very, very focused on details, we, we see every little thing, we, we look around us, but, but just stepping back forces us to realize, well, wait a second, I'm really not seeing everything I should see. And honestly, if I was in a position where uh, I'm watching a parade, and, and in that parade I'm sitting here and all I ever see is what's coming by me, if I take just a step back or a step up, I see more of that. And so the challenge that I wanted to, to share with you all this morning is that this last teaching in, in the What is Rise Chapel series is focused on just that, connecting. It's focused on actually, it's funny, using a question, or sorry, answering the question, what is Rise Chapel? And the teaching title for this morning is, I am Rise Chapel. Not me, each of us is Rise Chapel. And so when we talk about the the, the series, one of the things I want us to, to see is, first off, our first teaching title and the theme of that was, what is church? Because I didn't want to get into, and I know God wanted to show us that, that as we start off, I don't want us to come into this viewpoint of everybody defining church how they've experienced it. I had a conversation with someone just a, a day ago, and it was kind of fulfillment of a little bit of a joke is sometimes people don't become a Christian or don't come to church because they know a Christian or they've been to a church. And that's why they don't want to be involved in it. And so I wanted to, to kind of pull back and say, what is church? And I put it in quotes because we all define it differently. We all think of it differently. There's, there's certain stores, for example, if you want to start a fight with your spouse who's into crafting, it's not Joanne's. Okay, that's delusional. That's not what it is. It's Joanne, fabrics, and other torturous things. I'm not kidding. I have a psychological effect walking into craft stores. I, I feel like I'm going to go crazy. I can't do it. I don't know if it's the smells that trigger something in me or whatever. So I pick fights usually on the way there, going, we're going to go to Joanne. Like, yeah, we're going to Joanne's, and my wife will fire back. And I go, I don't know who that is. I don't know where we're going. So I'll ask Google, and Google doesn't know who Joanne's is. They know who Joanne Fabrics is. But I, and, and, I, and it sounds kind of funny. I was talking to someone after that first teaching, and they said, well, you know, it felt kind of like, a, like one of those Captain Obvious teachings. Like, well, of course we know that kind of stuff. And I said, well, I really wanted to kind of slice that hair very thin and, and show because oftentimes it's very easy for us to define something a certain way, add our own association to it, and it could be 100% wrong. And in that, as we continue to progress down that path, five years goes down the road, and we're missing really the bigger purpose of what God wants to do. So we step back and we say, so what is church? Because many of us, if, what, what do we say? I'm going to invite someone to church. What does that mean? 1045 on Sunday. And that's fine because that's a social definition, but it's more than that. It's more than that. There's so much more that God wants to do. The next thing that I wanted to, to cover was the, what, you know, Rise Chapel equals what? 
So in the grand scheme of churches in the body of Christ, we are one piece of that. And even within this, this valley, this area here, we're one piece of that. So why Rise Chapel? Why the different vision elements that we have? And so if you haven't had a chance, actually that teaching, had, we had some issues, and so that'll be online probably today. But you can go back online and listen to that if you missed it and see what the vision, ha- what we have as far as a vision. Like why, why rise? And I had a quote from, from Craig Rochelle that really is something that God has used to challenge me, and that is, in order to reach those who haven't been or aren't being reached, we have to do things that haven't been or aren't being done. And sometimes it's just a slight shift in how we look at things. It's a slight change in our course. Remember, if I wanted to get from here to through those doors and, and to the, the foyer area, I can make a few little minor um, turns and such and probably still get through the doors. But if I started walking in Anchorage and wanted to make a straight line, the slightest little turn in my path, after a few miles, I'm way off course. And so God has used this time going through this three-part series for me to help kind of do just a few course corrections so that as we go down the path that God has for us, we don't end up way down some place where we've created this organization instead of an organism, something that's living and alive, so that we become so spiritually massive and obese and lazy and useless in the kingdom, but we think we're successful. I want to use this time for us to realize that God is always going to do course corrections. And I would much rather take a gentle nudge than a two-by-four to the back of my ear. Not because he's mad, but because that's the only thing my pig-headedness will listen to. And so I love these times. I will have to say, I was talking to someone Friday afternoon, and I said, going into preparing these teachings, I hated it. These are the hardest teachings I've done. They're easy technically. I've studied not a lot of Greek and Hebrew and grammar and things like that. Technically, they've been easy to put words on paper. Spiritually, it has been very difficult because God has said, I have something. I have objectives for you, Joe. I have objectives for the people that are at Rise Chapel, for the people that will be at Rise Chapel. Are you in? Are you in? And that has not been fun because he's exposing all the areas where I'm not, where my attitude isn't right, just personally between me and him. And I, and I hope that on the other side of it, for all of us, that we have that excitement and encouragement that I have in that. I'm not expecting you guys to be as hyper as I am, but we'll get close. So I want to start by us, and then we're going to close this way also. I want to start by actually saying the teaching title. What is Rise Chapel? So we're going to say it together on the count of three. I'm going to ask the question, what is Rise Chapel? And for one of my sons, he's a smart aleck, we're not going to say the first part, just the things in quotes, okay? And for other people I know who would take me literally just for fun. I'm going to ask the question, what is Rise Chapel? And you guys respond back with the answer, all right? So here we go. What is Rise Chapel? That's exactly it. Now you're after with the teacher, buddy. (laughs) You're probably sweating right now. It's great. I love it. So I am Rise Chapel. Now, I want to say something that right now, every pastor across the U.S. is jealous of what just happened to me. And here's why. 
Because my heart, and I, I shared this with someone in, in meetings this week, my heart really does have a special weight and place for every one of you. Whether it's prayer, seeing you in public, not seeing you in public, whatever it is. There are things that I've prayed that I've written out, and then months later someone goes, yeah, I had a rough time, and God shared this with me. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I was praying that like two months ago. And to hear you all say, I'm Rise Chapel. That means that God's working on your heart. Well, you did what I said, but still, to actually say it, to actually say it, it means a lot to know that there, there is something about it. And in order to take the next step, in order to go beyond where God has taken us to do more and advance the gospel more effectively, we've got to build a foundation to launch from, to, to, to go from. And that's the heart of this teaching today. And, and so, you know, there's, there's a mindset that people have at an event. The Alaska State Fair is an event. We, we get excited about it, mostly because of corn dogs and funnel cake, right? That's some good stuff. Maybe some barbecue or something like that. I'm still waiting for them to have a good band show up. But that's just my own preference. I'm, I'm going to stop before I get in trouble. So... But we're excited about the event. And what do we do? We are all about the state fair when it happens. And we're like, oh, I'm going to, only going to spend this much time and money. And then two packs of Tums later, we're coming home going, I'm going to go again tomorrow for more. And it's half off for family members next time, or it's buy one, get one, or whatever it is. There's all these things we do. We get engaged at that event. And then when the event is over, what do we do? Usually we'll feel guilty, and we, don't, we just stop thinking about it. We go on to the next thing. And that's how events are. There, there are moments where you get excited about it, you get motivated by it, but they typically don't change the next few weeks and days, months, years, until you get excited for the next event. And you typically live in that pattern of up and then down, and then up and then down. And unfortunately, Christianity turns into that. And a lot of people will get frustrated over uh, church attendance and engagement with the gospel and so on, but it's really just a picture of us as humans, isn't it? How many of us would say our walk is constantly bouncing off the clouds? I'm so stinking excited about what God's doing every day, all day. If you think that's how I am, I can invite you to my devotion time. That's not how life is. We know that. There's ups and there's downs and there's things when you're rolling sideways. You don't know what to do. But there's something that God says in his, it's a word that he uses. It's simple. It's sometimes a name for a person. It's the word joy. The joy says in the inconsistency that life gives us, I am consistent, is what Jesus says. And so our own walk begins to be displayed, and so we get tempted to turn church from the first teaching into an event. And let me contrast that with the word movement. Do we see, and, and, and even if this isn't a place that you call regularly your home, if do you see the place where you've chosen to fellowship as a place that hosts events multiple times a week, or do you see it as these events are part of the movement that God is doing? That's the way we have to look at it. Now, that's scary for those of us that don't like change. That's terrifying, because movement means like mo- moving, and, and it's not in the same place. For people like me, that's exciting because I can't stand the same thing over and over again. A movement itself is what Jesus said when he talked to the disciples. Hey, I want you to be one of mine. Have a seat. 
He never said that to any disciples. Matthew, follow me. Because he was moving. And so I wanted to challenge our thinking. That is, we process church. And, and, and you know what's interesting is it has been so effective in that contrast when I have conversations with people who have left the church, hate the church, are atheistic about it or agnostic about it. When we speak of the church outside of the context of an event and a day into a movement, it begins to make more sense of why someone would give their life to it. I am not going to give my life to having a Sunday service and a Wednesday service and a Bible study. That is a waste of my time. How could you say that, Joe? That's like what Christians do. Exactly. That doesn't transform. But if you're part of a movement where you realize God is moving, God is changing, there will be new things, and there will be things that go away because they're not effective. There will be things that come, come up because they're new and ineffective. But only to the gospel. Only for that focus, not obviously just because it's new. So I want to I wanna ask a question, and this is, really, this is actually the first thing I put in my notes as I was praying, is this question. I, I want myself, I want each of us to identify with a movement. I want each of us to answer the question, so, so how do we do that? What did it look like in the Gospels? What did it look like? If you read Ezekiel 16 to 17, first off, be careful, um, it's just very raw in the context. Deuteronomy chapter 32 talks about the movement that began with Abraham. And God comes down to Abraham, who was cast off by the other nations, kind of a mutt. He was not surrounded by any other gods. There was, he literally was just ignored by everything, spiritually and physically. And the movement began because God came to him, touched his life, and chose him. It's the exact picture for each one of us. So as the movement begins, how do we identify with that? Sometimes I've had people ask me questions before, and they say, well, well, how do I really know I'm a Christian? How do I know if they're a Christian? And usually I will say, well, usually a T-shirt or a bracelet or something like that, and then you can know. Oh, it's very hard sometimes because we all have our own perceptions. We all have our own visibility of what we think it should look like. We have, you know, well, a Christian would look like this. I was talking with a friend of mine who, who had a counseling session with someone who came out of a very abusive church past, no drum beats, uh, no one can wear shorts, you always have to wear pants or dresses or whatever, and uh, no sweets or sugars or nothing that was stimulant or anything like that. And I'm thinking, wow, that doesn't even equate as Christian for me. It D- doesn't even make sense to me. And, and the mindset and the response and the conversation with this person was something to share and actually spend more time removing, like that's, that's not what it's about, that's not what God's about. In fact, I would rather have a conversation with this person outside of the church environment to help them realize and be transformed by Jesus first instead of thinking there's an obligation in some way, going to a church service or something like that. So how do we identify with a movement? Well, I am Rise Chapel is a phrase that shows up in three ways. Number one, it's going to show up in connecting to the things that define the movement. If you looked at marriage as a movement within your life, it's something that's active in your life. If it's not, I'm dead serious, we do marriage counseling. But you would connect to your spouse. You would be identified by that. Why? Well, sometimes it's a ring. Some people have a tattoo with, with the name of their spouse on there. Well, whatever it is, there's a way you connect and identify. The longer you're married together, 
the more you actually start to look like each other and get matching polos and bowling balls and ride a Honda Goldwing, right? (laughs) 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 Gotta get in trouble. Just gonna keep moving. Just gonna keep moving. But you connect with the things that define that movement. Now, as a Christian, what are the things that look like that movement? Well, the, the way we connect really is this next piece here. We have to know why they do what they do. Whatever this movement is, we have to know why they do what they do. And I love seeking out those answers for myself. If I'm asking a question of a business or a company or whatever, we have to find out really the why. And I, I love, I remember meeting with people who were pastors. They didn't realize I was a pastor. I was somewhat inflammatory on purpose. But I, I said, they talked about their church service or whatever, and I said, well, have you ever asked the question why? Like everything you do, every Sunday, every time you do a Bible study, just ask the question why. Why am I doing this? Sometimes we don't have an answer. Sometimes the worst answer is because we have in the past. That's often an answer we give that simply because it's a pattern, it's therefore right to do it again. We wouldn't say that if that was a hammer to our own face. Well, it's always been happening, so let's keep doing it. None of us would ever say that. We hit our thumb in the middle of working somewhere. We're like, well, I hit my thumb before, so it's the right. No, we're not going to do that. So I want a a challenge for, for each of us in our own life, in our walk as Christians. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's really the motivation behind it? And not just simply in this academic exercise, but actually with action tied to it. Here's one of the reasons I say that. You'll read here in Scripture, book of Proverbs talks about vision and and, and forward understanding of why we're doing what we're doing. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Here's another way that is translated. If people don't know why they're doing what they're doing, they go crazy or feel crazy or don't know why. I don't know what to do with themselves. We kind of understand that. If you're in a meeting at work or you're showing up somewhere and something changes and shifts, the leaders are exposed when the person who says, listen, the lights are out, follow the noise. And you go, okay, I know what to do, so I do what I know at that point. The next thing, but the one who keeps the law, blessed is he. Now, the law, that's a Hebrew term. Another way to say it is follows the commandments of God, obeys what God has said. Why? Because he created us and designed us. If our car decided to stop doing what the manufacturer designed it to do, chose to pick its own firing order on the motor, it's not going to work very well. And the mechanic's job at that point is to go in and fix and make sure that that thing does what? What it was designed to do. By who? By the designer not the driver. We're just drivers of our life. And our designer has come and said, there's a way to do this. Look at why you're doing what you're doing for each of us as Christians. It's important to see that if we don't have that vision and that purpose of what is my life? Why am I going to to church? Why Why am I involved in these things? Why am I doing these different things? You may have a great reason. But is it right here? Is it in front of and part of each day? Next, I want to connect two words. Because how many of you 
grew up in a church or a religious environment where you had your attendance tracked in some fashion by somebody. Anybody? Yeah. And what did that, what, what did that speak? That spoke that attendance had some sort of value to it on its own. The problem with that is attendance doesn't have any value on its own. But you can't have the value without attending. Here's the next point. Attendance and engagement together. There can be an attendance, but no engagement. But there can be no engagement if there's no attendance. See that connection? So attendance and engagement produces passion and impact. If there's an involvement and a connection to the things that God's doing, attendance, whatever it is, attending to what the needs are, attending things that happen, whether it's the Sunday or or the other times that we have different services on on prayer and praise or the Friday prayer or, or coming at different special things that happen, whatever it is, attending to that and then engaging, that's where the impact happens. We all know that. Some of us have sat at a conference or, or at an event, and, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand because you don't want to anyways, but you like being the little shadow in the back. You like being the bump on the log. But you also realize that the greatest value comes when you step just outside of that. And you say, while I want to still be that bump... I'm going to grab a pamphlet, or I'm going to say yes, or I'm going to go do this thing, or whatever it is. And then something clicks. Something clicks, and you begin to see, okay, now I see the value. The speaker, or the pastor, or the leader, or whatever it was, they're not as crazy as I thought they were. Because it begins to make sense because we apply it in our life. We begin to see the why of what was being said and done. The other part of attendance and engagement Those two together ties to passion. Attendance doesn't make me actually care. Engagement does. And in order to have a passion behind and about what God is doing, we have to be present and engaged in however he's said, in the ways that he's shown us. So passion and impact is really what God wants, and that's what we've seen. We've seen it in all kinds of movements in our life. Sometimes we even look from a distance and go, I want that. Because you see people care. You see people actually being changed by what's happening. And that comes from that actual presence and choice to be engaged. So here's the verse I want us to look at. It seems kind of common. And actually, I remember this verse being used on me by people who wanted to push for church attendance. You guys probably even know the one I'm going for. But I want you to see Now understanding engagement, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's part of accountability as Christians. If I'm commanded to do this, how does it happen? That isn't the end of the statement. If I'm commanded to say, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Okay, cool, pastor. I thought of it. Awesome. That's why there's another verse. The next verse says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Because now that I've been thinking of ways to motivate and encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ, we get together and then I do it. See, there's an engagement plan. Through attendance, we then engage and God grows us. 
as some people do, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I challenge, there's a vision and, and an action team that we call it here. And we had a meeting this week, and one of the things I challenged them to was pick someone that you haven't seen or haven't seen at church or haven't seen at one of your studies or whatever in a, in, in a couple weeks and just send them a text and say, hey, love you, miss you, hope everything's all right. You think I'd be able to see you on Sunday? You think you want to come to me? We could grab a coffee beforehand, whatever it is. Something personal to that person. So we challenged everyone. Maybe that's why some of you were here this morning. But here's the challenge I want to give to everybody that's here. I want you to text in church right now. Get your phone. You have to have your phone out to do it. Grab your phone. Remember, the sanctuary of God is in man, not a building, okay? So calm down. Continue to grab your phone, go through your contacts, and look for someone that you've been talking to about the scriptures, you've been witnessing to, that you haven't talked about, talked to for a while, and invite them and say, listen, seriously amped and join church right now. You want to come with me next week. It's awesome. Whatever it is. Or maybe it's someone you haven't seen here for a while. I was talking with someone two weeks ago, and, and they, they said, you know what? For the longest time, I didn't go to church. And no one said a stinking word to me, Joe. No one said a word to me. And I know they knew I wasn't there because they were weirdos every time I saw them in the store. Let's not be those weirdos. Grab your phone right now. Grab your phone. Send a text to someone that you haven't seen. And just say, hey, like I said, enjoying the church service right now. Or maybe lie like, hey, you want to come watch this goofball talk for a while? It makes me feel better about myself. Do that, whatever. Because the gospel is going to go out no matter how goofy I am. And send that message to them. And then follow up with it. Pray about who else. Because here's the deal. I don't know all the people you know. I don't even have the phone numbers of all the people you know, the people that you've been witnessing to, the family members you've been inviting for the longest time, and then said, you know what, forget it. Man, God didn't give up on us. We can't give up on them. God has never given up on us. And we all know how dumb we are, don't we? I didn't say I, because I know there'd be a lot of agreements out there. We... And God never gave up. So keep the invites going. Offer to go out and have a coffee. If they can't do church, then say, cool, let's go have a coffee on Monday then. Let's do something tonight. Whatever it is, connect with them. Encourage them. Gather together and draw them to be part of what God has put together here. All right? All right, so if you didn't have your phone this morning, grab that on the way out or when you get home or whatever and send that message to someone. If you still use letters and paper and things like that, write them a note. That's perfectly fine. A little interesting, but perfectly fine. All right. So here, here's the next piece of this. There's a, there's a point here, and I want to talk about each of the three pieces. So, so number two, how do, we engage, how do we connect with the movement? How do we identify with the movement? Well, there, there's this engage piece that we just talked about. So engagement is this. Engage with the movement by committing... Everybody just had a cold sweat, right? Commitment by committing time, talents, and possessions. Now, most of us are good with two-thirds of that. Now, we will pick one of the or two of those three most of the time. The problem is it's a three-legged stool. It doesn't work and stand on its own without all three pieces. Joe, totally fine. I'm great at doing these things, and I will give you as much time as you need. Get your hands off my stuff. 
Joe, I will donate everything I own to whatever God's doing here at Rise, and, and, and I'll take whatever time it takes to get there. But honestly, I've done the whole working with Christians thing, Joe, and it burns me every time, so I'm, I'm not going to get involved with those other things. I'll just, I'll just give a couple things here and there. Or, or we go the other route. I'm really great at doing all this different stuff, and I'll give all these things to the church, but I'm never plugged in with anything. Never get engaged, truly. Never really commit, because these are the three areas that Jesus hits every single time he's witnessing to someone. Do you really realize what time it is in your life? Do you really realize what I've given you, and and are you using it for the kingdom? Do you really realize, rich young ruler, which we heard about a couple weeks back, you really realize what's more important in your life Now, I'm not doing any special collections. I'm not asking anybody for something specific this week. What I'm saying is that, is your heart committed to God first? Can he really have everything? Because engagement with God's movement can't happen until we give up us to him in that movement. It's important to also realize that this communicates something very different. Attendance says, I don't have to commit. That's why we attend, Joe. You finally figured it out. No. (laughs) That impact and that passion flows from this kind of engagement. It flows from the fact that I've given up and I've said, I want to be a ministry partner, not I go to such and such church. That's a very different view. There was one time where I was very, very fearful about some problems that were going on, and, and they were in the financial world and, and even in the insurance world. And I remember I talked with so many different people, and, and all of their responses, they were all a bunch of, bunch of negative people. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're pretty much hosed, Joe, so hey, here's a rope, finish the job, jump off the roof, whatever it is. It was just this, no one wanted to be a partner. They're like, wow, that looks like that's going to be terrible over there. Let me know how it works out, okay, Joe? No, no one was a partner to me in my life. And I think some of us have felt that. I'm okay with someone saying, yes, Joe, that was stupid to do that. But I'm with you. We'll get through this. That's what Jesus does. Yes, that's sin. But if you give it to me, I'll take it away forever, and then we'll go through life. I will be with you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. John 17, send them into the world, the Christians, as I'm sent into the world to be partners in a community together. I was talking with someone this week that was a little concerned about finances and, and budgets. You know, the, the, the income was doing this, the outgo was doing this, and we're matching. And my response was, you're part of the body of believers. Whatever we can do as Christians together, it's my job as a Christian to be part of partnering with you and helping you go through life. That's our job. That's what God's called us to. That when some are down, then others bring up, and then vice versa. If you're married, you've seen it. The scariest time is when you're both like really down, and then you just start knocking each other down further and further. Again, we do marriage counseling. But the, the other part is it's amazing that some days when I'm literally just sliding on my face in the asphalt, I've got my wife there. She grabs me by the back of the hair and goes, whoa, slow that one down there, buddy, and lifts me up. I've got friends that are like that. It's important for us 
This speaks of partnership. This speaks of covenant. This speaks of something that is a community of people that are moving towards a common goal. Here's some scriptures. Actually, no. I want to go through the definition of engage. It's to be occupied with and attracted to something. You're going to establish a meaningful contact or connection with or participate or become involved in this thing, whatever we're engaged with. Now, that sounds like getting ready to get married, doesn't it? Like you're, there, there's an occupation, usually an obsession, um, an attraction, I hope, if it's happening correctly. There's some sort of meaningful contact or connection. In this case, it's going to be marriage on its way. And you're going to be involved with, you're going to participate. There's a partnership that goes on there. That's what engagement, this is just a, a, a couple of pieces of the definition within the, the dictionaries, different dictionaries that I read. But I want to go through four verses that talk about community and partnership and the things that go on in the church of Jesus, especially in the early church. The first is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has designed the function that before Christ, he's already planning that after Christ, now that we're Christians, our function is already planned out and it's to do good things. Where? In him, through his abilities, whatever that is. It's not a specific function where I'm going to say, you know, in order for it to be good works as a Christian, here's all the things you need to do. Don't miss a Sunday. Don't miss this. No. No, it has to be a hard decision. It has to be that engagement directly from from who we are and not a checkbox. Checkbox Christianity is what gets us to a church where there's no impact. It simply becomes, yes, we're paying this for the pastor and these part-time people or these full-time people or whatever, but there's zero impact that if the building vaporized one day, the community would go, huh, wasn't there something there? I will tell you today, because of what God has done through you all being committed, through you all being engaged, if Rise Chapel didn't do what they've been doing the past three years, the community would wonder what in the world happened. We've got guys next door that the testimony of what has happened through mentoring, through you guys loving them in the community, that they would be devastated to know Rise Chapel just disappeared. Wasilla Homeless Committee meets here every month, has financial support through the church, has engagement through things that we've done, would wonder what in the world is happening. Where is what God is doing at Rise Chapel? There is impact coming from here, and I'm proud of you guys. But I also know that there's things that God wants to do that are, hap- that are needs right now both here and outside the community, that God's been doing this on your heart. What's the worst? You'd say yes, and he does immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. But I've been hurt before, Joe. Yes, I've stubbed my toe before too. I don't stop walking. I guard it, I let it heal, and then I start walking again. I know the feeling. I've been, in the, been involved in the church for 35-plus years. And you want to talk about hurt, try being a pastor for a little while. People all of a sudden feel like that you need to hear everything of what they think about you and everything else. And no, I don't, because I want to think nice things about you. And now I don't. <laughs> Becoming a pastor doesn't mean you love the church more. It just means that it's more of a choice to love the church more. 
which is proof of agape in the work of Jesus. Trust me, when I start getting yucky and nasty, wow, I should have said that next door. I start getting just gross and disgusting as a person up here, and I'm starting to sound bitter and, and, and poisonous and so on, you know that is not Jesus speaking, and you call me out. I'm not above any of that. I want to be guided by agape. There's good works that God has called us and designed us to do. Next, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, 16. You are the light of the world. Who is the light of the world? Jesus is pointing out to who? Those who are following him. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Why is he saying that? Because as Christians, we are not seeking to hide in the woods. We actually are called to be building our lives in such a way that the world sees that light. That we're plugged into life in certain ways, the community in certain ways, that our light shines. Not that it's hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. Everyone in the house. Even the ones that are stinky, that are cursing, that are likely high, that are likely coming off of something, that are likely having things in their life that you know are disgusting, that you used to do, and how dare, wait a second, I used to do that, so how am I different? I know how, Jesus. Everyone in the house sees the light. In the same way, both building your, your, your house and your town on a hill so it's seen, and lighting that lamp so that it's not covered, let your light shine before others that they may see what? See your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That is a connected conditional statement. It's not that they would see our good deeds. The outcome is where the value is. That they would see our good deeds and give glory to God in heaven. If there's good deeds that I'm doing and I'm getting glory... I need to change my heart and why and what I'm doing. Not stop doing it. Change my motivation. They would see the good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. If I'm getting glory, if I'm frustrated that, well, pastor didn't say thank you this week to me. You're looking for glory for you. And I'm not trying to be mean. I am so thankful. I was teared up last week praying about all the ministries that we have here and knowing how many people we have. We're starting a new thing in August called the Volunteer Quarterly Gathering. Everybody who's ever volunteered, we're going to get together. We're going to cater some food. We're going to just uh, pray over you guys. We're going to share some things. We're going to do some training and walk through some things and, and set up some excitement over the next quarter we've got of things that are happening. I'm thankful that sometimes I might not say thank you every week. And God will probably do that. He'll keep me quiet so that you can not hear a thank you. So that you can go, wait a second, it really is for you, God. I hope you're happy. I really hope you're happy, God. Glorify our Father in heaven rather than us. Next, you'll see in Matthew again, these people show honor to me with words, but their hearts are far from me. See, it's very easy to have this, this desire and, and all these things. Like, I'm so amped about this. This is exactly what I'm going to do. You got it, Joe. I am with you all the way. Hey, so uh, when you get this message, could you give me a call? Life is pretty much falling apart and uh, need to talk with you later. Yeah, I still haven't heard a call back from you. That we really need some help here. Yeah, man, so you mentioned like three or four weeks ago that you're totally there. You're with me. You're behind. The words didn't match. And the reason Jesus says this is that it was really a worship problem. That the light was shining and the good deeds were happening to the glory of me. 
And so he shares this time where he says, listen, have the words that give honor. Absolutely have those. But guard our hearts. Ensure that the heart's motivation follows through with those things. Because that's the hardest anyways. Here's a challenge to change all of that for all of you all. This is something that God challenged me with. If someone says, I'm having a hard time in life, right then stop and pray. I committed several years ago to not make the statement, and I still do it, just a bad habit. It's very difficult to break. I'll pray for you. Or I get a text message. I get text messages all throughout the week. Hey, pastor, pray for me. Hey, pastor, pray for me. I, I force myself to stop, not say I will. I say I have and I will before I ever text back. Not because I'm perfect, but because I am far, far from perfect. Practice with the words matching the actions. Hey, could you pray for me, Joe? You got it, man. I'll pray for you. Boom. Don't even have a clue what just happened 10 seconds later. Sometimes you guys will come up to me and you'll share this crazy thing. and You're like, hey, can, can, can you remember that and think about me this week? No, but please text me or email me so I can remember you after today's craziness. And I mean it. I do mean it. Do that with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Take that time for your words and actions to meet. Next, again, we're talking about engagement and such. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. There's a way to get connected with something and get excited about something. And like, man, this is awesome. And then something stops us. Now, Scripture doesn't really go into detail on the I didn't and he didn't go part. Let me share with you, though. Let me share with you, though, a short testimony. I'm not going to use names, but it's someone that's part of RISE. I had met with them probably about six months ago. And there was this pattern in their life. Yes, you got it. And then all of a sudden, there was either no action or no response, or there was like a cancellation just moments before things would be going on. And, and, and I had to balance this, this frustration because I'm thinking of this and I'm like, yeah, he's that verse in my mind. I'm like, he can't even follow through with what he's saying. And, and we stopped and we had a conversation. And I just, I just went through. I said, you know, I really, I really want to be connected with this. I really want you to be committed to this and follow through with this. I said, what, what do we need to do to fix that? How do we fix this problem? God immediately opened up. And this guy shared details of church abuse in the past, of pastors that were so nitpicky and constantly nothing was ever right. And if they were wrong, they knew it violently and verbally. And that's why they could never follow through because they're like, it's only 99% perfect. And I don't want to have my soul crushed again in front of 50 people, whatever it is. And we had an awesome conversation. And it was just this, this pattern. I've had other conversations where that was the problem with their mom or their dad or a family member because nothing was ever good enough. Nothing was ever right. So why am I going to start on this? And it rolled and it rolled and it rolled. I'm not justifying this, but what I'm saying is that sometimes in our life we do have real problems that stop us from going. But if God says go, he's got the victory already there that when we come to that problem, okay, when we come to that problem and we say, God, I've been to this problem before, He has the victory that if we step past it, we step on it. That's what he wants to provide. That's what I wish would have happened in this story here, that he answered, I will, sir. And he did. 
Because it's the biggest problem in all of our life as Christians, isn't it? It's actually saying and then doing obedience. It's the kicked dog problem. That eventually we just start shying away and shrinking away from all the pain because it looks like it might hurt. I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm maximizing the victory that God wants to give. I'm maximizing the relationship and the community that God wants to give to us in Him. That the man who said, I will, sir, fell into the fear and the patterns and never followed through in obedience. I don't want that for any of us. I don't want it for me. I want you all to have victory over this. Whatever it is that would stop you, Again, I'm not minimizing the reasons, the pain, the problems, the issues, whatever it is. What I'm saying is I want to maximize what God wants to do at each of us. And I, I will tell you that there are many of you in here just today that the fact that you're sitting here, the fact that you're engaged in things you're engaged with is the testimony of that victory. And that is serious goosebump territory for me. There are people serving next door. There are people who are serving two weeks ago that said, I, I can't even understand the Bible. I am, the kids will, will rip my soul out right there. I can never deal with any of that stuff. And they're some of the most effective people we have in that ministry. That's powerful. Because they said yes and stepped in the victory of God. I want to share with you number three about community and partnership. We were designed... We were designed to do life together. Let's do it that way. That's how we were designed to operate. I don't know about that, Pastor. The first thing God said to his first creation, the first issue that was addressed in man was what? It's not good for him be alone. It's not because he was going to play video games all the time. It's not because he was bored. It's because God needed to biblically and historically expose the fact that we were created to be a community together, to worship God, give glory to him, and alongside each other do the same. That's what we were designed to do. As much as we think that the Lone Ranger Christian is something that's real, it's a fantasy. It's actually a delusion. It's no such thing as that. It is impossible. Why do I say that? Because the church is described as a body that is knit and connected. Not a bunch of flailing, weird body parts floating away from each other. Well, I know that I'm you know, a hand, but I don't need to be attached to the arm. You're useless if you're a hand not attached to an arm. You have no power or purpose. Lone Ranger Christianity is false, and honestly, it's a lie straight from hell, to be really forthright. There is not one person that I've talked with that has disconnected from people and the body of Christ that said, oh, it's killer, I love being alone. They might start off that way until, for me, I just go, yeah, wow, you're a terrible liar. And then the truth comes out. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to act like me and actually wish that there were thousands of people they could talk with all day, every day, because it's fun, okay? You're not going to be like me, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Thank you for putting up with me. 
We're designed to do life together. Let's do it that way. I want to share two things. Paul David Tripp, you can I put the book up here. He has a book called Whiter Than Snow, Meditations on Sin and Mercy. Let me read to you an excerpt from that. He says this, We weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when people around us point out a weakness or a wrong, and we hold ourselves, or sorry, we hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources God has given us. I remember I finally got a chance to have a conversation with a guy that I knew had issues, was very disconnected, and he looked at me and he said, you know, really, Joe, the reason I've never talked to you because really nobody really understands what I'm going through. There's really not a solution out there. I said, okay, don't want to sound prideful. You might be right. Tell me what your problem is. Well, I've had multiple back surgeries. They can't figure out what the problem is. I don't know if I have any hope. I've had times where I couldn't even walk and all these different struggles. I'm like, yeah. I don't really know what you're going through. I know exactly what you're going through to a T, and I'm showing them my scars, and I'm showing them I could stab a pencil in my leg because I don't have any feeling because the nerves are dead. All these things. He's like, how, how did this happen? Well, I don't know. Maybe it was God. We were designed to be together. We were designed to go through life that way, that God brings together people who have had common issues. Even the Bible says there's no temptation that's common to one specific man or woman. It's common to all of us, the things that we go through. Now, some of it will be different intensities. But I'll tell you right now, there are two in this church, without naming names, two surprise pregnancies that happened in Rise. Why two? Because God is awesome. You know why? Because he had two people that were like, oh, wow, huh. Okay, I don't know what to do. I was not thinking about this, and someone else is doing the same thing a few days later. And there's a relationship that can begin because of that. There's encouragement that begins because of that. There's a loneliness studies. I read through a lot of different studies on loneliness. In the 70s and 80s, there were a series of consistent studies that happened over the course of about 10, 15 years. And the average group of people that responded said, about 11 to 12% responded and said, I am most of the time, I feel lonely. About 11 to 12%. Fast forward to 2014. This is the most recent one I could find. There's likely others that were out there. The most recent one said, how often do you feel lonely? Is it, is it most of the time? Is it just a little bit here and there? Do you know what percentage said, most of the time I feel lonely? 45%. There was no religious affiliation with this. This was open to the public. 45%. There were studies done within the church that the numbers were exactly the same. How? How could we be lonely in the body of Christ? It's not his problem. It's not his fault. He said, I built community and partnership. I built that to be together. To be connected. 
That's our choice. It's the way we've arranged our lives. It's the excuses for connecting that we use and say, well, I've connected to a person in this way when that's not real connecting. One of the things that my family has done for many, many years now, and I would challenge everyone here, again, this is a challenge. This is not doctrine. If you choose not to do it, I will still love you to death, okay? Relax. But we do electronics fasts. We just cut out all electronics, all TVs, all phones, all tablets. We'll do it for a week. And you know, the first two days, you feel like you're nuts. And then when the trolls go away, you all of a sudden realize, oh, you know what? This is kind of cool. You can hear. You talk to each other. You engage differently. And I remember one time talking with one of my sons when the fast was over, and he's like, this is kind of weird. I, I like, feel like I shouldn't be picking up my phone. And I'm like, well, don't feel legalistic about it. It's like, no, I just, it's like, it just doesn't connect the same way. So the challenge for you guys is if that's something that, that, that God is touching in your heart right now, commit to it. Just say, you know what? Hey, let's start it right now. And you know what? Guess what? If you have kids or teenagers, let them whine. Deal with it, both you parents and kids. Because you the parent, you the boss. Find a way to reconnect in real ways. Not that those can't be supplemental, though. There's no, there's no point at all in demonizing some of these different things. These are tools that God has given us. Just because I hit my thumb with a hammer doesn't mean the hammer is Satan. I might sound like Satan when I do it, but the hammer isn't Satan. It's how we use the tool that's important. Here's some things I want us to think about related to community, doing life together. First, Galatians 6.2, carry one another's burdens. How do we carry and how do we know they have burdens if we're not together? Can't. The command itself provides a solution. You have to carry or you have to be next to each other to be able to carry, and you have to know there's a burden in order to carry the burden. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? Each one of us in here has a common issue that God has brought us through or God is bringing us through that matches somebody else right here in this room. And God will expose it in some way, somehow. And you can say, listen, I've been there, I'm, I've gone through that, or I'm going through that, and I'm going to carry you through that. I've been there. Doesn't that feel good when you come to someone, you're like, I don't know what to do, I'm in the middle of this. And they go, oh, I've been there before. I, I'll go through this with you. Does that not feel good? Anybody out there like me? That is phenomenal. That's what Jesus said. First off, he's like, listen, died, death, all that, been there, done that, so you don't got to worry about death anymore. Oh, Okay, do we really believe that as a partner with Christ that we don't have anything to worry about? But he also gives us people in this earth alongside us through the, through the power and work of Christ to give that testimony and encouragement. Next, you'll see here in Romans chapter 12, share with God's people who are in need. Welcome others. These are two separate statements. Welcome others into your homes. Share with God's people who are in need. Take the time. Again, you can't know the need, nor can you share with the people, unless you're with the people hearing the needs. It's a community that God's built together. Welcome others into your homes. This is actually going to be something that's part of the uh, closing part of this, this teaching this morning. We're going to talk some more about some things God's going to be doing. 
Next, you'll read in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, don't forget to do good. Don't forget to share with others. Why is he saying don't forget? Because we, what were you talking about? We forget. Don't forget to do good. Don't forget to share with others. God is pleased with those kinds of offerings. Don't forget. This is a good one for the mirror in the bathroom first thing in the morning because I ain't thinking about nothing good about anybody else first thing in the morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Our counsel, I love this translation. I was, I was texting it to a friend of mine. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. Paul originally, the word here, freeloaders, is uh, the reason it's freeloaders is because Paul used the word idle, but contextually he was talking about people who simply are there hanging out at the church and going, oh, cool, it's communion Sunday. I'm taking a couple extra wafers and I'm going to have this. And, and they only show up for potluck Sundays, all that kind of stuff. He says, tell the freeloaders to get a move on, either move towards Christ or move out of here. But that's not what the body's about, is a little hang on. We cut moles off the body. Not just supposed to be hanging. Gently encourage the stragglers. Why? Because people don't always straggle because they just feel like it. Sometimes if you're dragging a bum leg, you can't go any faster. And it sure would be nice for someone to come and lift you up and get you up with everyone else. That was what that text was about for all of us, that challenge for each of us. Reach out for the exhausted pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. This is Paul sharing to a group of Christians. Then he says this, and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Plenty, every single one of you have been mad at me or frustrated with me or irritated with me, maybe even once this whole service, but at least once in the past few months. It just happens. It just happens. But God says, that even though it's going to happen, don't allow our flesh to get in there. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. That is the opposite of what most of us do. You did this because this. Well, you're doing this probably because you're trying to do this to me. Or can you believe what they were saying back there about that? I can't believe they were doing this. They're probably doing it because they're a jerk. Or maybe they're not a jerk and you're the jerk for not knowing what's really going on. We do a role-playing in, in a leadership class that I've taught, and it's called Late to Church. And the role-playing is this, where one side of the role-playing is that the person is a, a person who's serving in a ministry, and they've been consistently late for six weeks and aren't on time for serving. The other side of it is the leader of that ministry, and they don't understand why this person's late. All they know is that they've been late. And so the role-playing happens where the leader engages with this person and says, listen, hey, you know, I've noticed over the past few weeks you've been late. Some leaders, there was one leader one time in the class, and it was clearly evident he was not going to be a leader at the church for a while. But the guy showed up, he goes, listen, man, I'm not really sure what's going on, but you have been late consistently for six weeks. You've got one more time to figure this out, or it's straightened out. Are we clear? And the guy's like, okay, yeah, cool. Walks away. Well, immediately, immediately, we stop it and we go into what the role-playing was about. The role-playing is this. The leader's job is to understand what's going on with that person who's serving, not to only fulfill that checkbox. Here's the other side. The person who's serving 
has a neighbor who's near death, has never accepted Christ, but is agreeing to come to church as long as he does all the work to get him ready to go to church. Well, this guy here felt like a jerk. (laughs) Because he didn't seek to carry the burdens. He sought to go, hey, here's my burden. You're not carrying it. And threw it on him. All you need to know is you need to be on time. Forget about the Great Commission. We've got coffee to make. Whoa. Whoa. It's tempting sometimes to look for the worst because, well, that's what affects us. It's tempting sometimes to create a scenario that's so tense and so difficult that we bring out the worst and then we're vindicated when we watch them flip out because, well, see, told you, he's a crazy. But that's not what we're called to in Scripture. We're called to do the opposite, that our relationship and engagement affects people. So here's what I'm going to do. Two things. I'm going to go ahead and pull the flaps up. We're going to start landing the plane. I'm going to ask Jesse to come up. You guys have seen this this painting that's partially done here. And I want to share with you kind of why this is up here. If you can see right now, it's kind of partially a Rise logo. You can see maybe a little bit of the outline. You can begin to see, in this case, if you look at that as a picture, there's beginning to be an impact from what God is doing at Rise. And here is the challenge that I want to say for all of us here this morning. Now that we understand, you know, the phrase, I am Rise Chapel, I want us to think about some things. I want to share some things that God's got coming over the next couple of months. I want to share with you also that I I am a visionary. And so when I share exciting things, it, it takes two things. It takes time for it to mature, and it takes all of us together working together to make it happen. So as she's finishing up this painting, you can look at this as, as God is always, always at work. That as he's working, just like he's finishing out the picture of what rises, it's never actually all the way done until I draw my last breath. I've said this before, a great, great band. I love the title of the album. It says, we are immortal until the work is done. And that's the truth. But the work isn't done if I'm still, wait, God's got something for me. God's still got something for me. So I want to share some things. Because this painting being finished, this painting being painted right now, live is a picture of what God is working on right now. It's, he's always at work. He's always engaging. The Great Commission continues and continues and continues to be the greatest commission to us until our breath stops. So I want to challenge us with this. Here's a couple of things. Over the next few months, we're going to start up life or growth groups. And if you're not familiar with the term or the name, some people call them home groups, some people call them small groups, cell groups, all these different kind of groups. Some people use colors. It's a whole weird thing to try and use a name to get people to do awkward things and go in each other's houses. The reality is, this is what life really is. It's the getting together of people. So we're going to go through uh, some more planning, um, looking for different leaders, people who wanted to facilitate and host. There's some people God has had on my heart, so keep your eyes out for this. And then pray. Pray for this. Pray for what God would do with this. Because these groups, the vision behind these groups is what I call a plus one vision. A plus one vision is the group always gathers together 
And there's always room for one more. Always. I remember having a conversation with people who were leading a small group years ago, and they said, listen, uh, Joe, um, we're kind of having a problem here. I said, what's that? He goes, well, there's people inviting people to the, to the group. Okay, so what's the problem, though? Like, there's the good thing. What's the problem? Well, I just, I mean, are you sure? I mean, should we have more? I mean, it's like a Christian thing, right? No. And how are they going to become one if they're not learning about it with you? Oh, good point. Then their group just went, they made two from one, and then four from those. And in several years, there were like six different groups that started from just that one couple who had just clicked the plus one mentality, the multiplying mentality. Just like as she continues to paint this here, you see the picture start to become clearer and clearer of what? The church, of what Christ wanted to do in the body. So the next thing I want us to to look at is there's also some new studies that will be coming out. There, there's some in the fall that we're looking at, and there's also some coming in the spring. There's opportunities that we'll post out, I know right now, for the parents of kids. There's a whole month of July dedicated to reading one chapter of the book of John every day, and there's devotionals that go along with that for mom and dad. That's part. It's not, there's not a lot of formality to it all. But those are opportunities that we've exposed as leaders, that things are already being done well, opportunities for you to jump in on, to be involved in. So new studies, things that God's doing. Next, as things begin to grow over the next few months, there's a mentoring and accountability groups that we want to start doing. Now, these are not going to be traditional small groups where we get together, we've got a book, we've got a Bible. These are going to be things where it's like a monthly get-together for two or three people. You go grab a coffee, and you just share what God's doing. Something super simple. And it's only you. You're not going into a big group. You're not preparing a teaching. You're not doing a teaching. There's nothing happening except for three guys, three gals, four gals, whatever it is, getting together and just talking through life. Because sometimes, maybe, just maybe, someone in that group over that month is going to need a brother or a sister to encourage them to say, you got a burden. Let me carry it for you. Let me help you with that. We're going to have more details on that as we kind of move forward. These are, again, new things. They're not just going to be dumped next week. Don't misinterpret this. These are things that God is maturing. This is the future that I'm sharing with you. There's no excitement if there's no point. There's no vision. This outline here, I'm not going to get too close, but this outline here is that vision, that picture, that potential showing God is doing things. God is filling out the vision that he has, just like the painting is being finished. Next, there's going to be a change to how we do prayer and praise. One of the things that I'm praying about right now is actually working with some of the uh, bands and, and other Christian groups that are here in Valley or in Anchorage to actually have them come out quarterly and do more of a live prayer and praise. Not having something each month, but changing it more so we can have more preparation, more planning, more engagement with that activity. Because it is so important for us to gather together to praise His name. There is accountability in that. There is opportunity in that. There are some times where, yeah, we may feel comfortable singing his, his praises or praying and so on in different scenarios, but when it's a group of people and they come up and they drop their prayer requests in this bowl and you pick that up, you never would have known that need had you not been here to grab that. I challenge you all that if you do have prayers, put them on our prayer wall over there. Put them on this prayer bowl over here if you want them a little more private. 
and come over here after service or before service or during the Friday prayer time and just pray over the ones that are there. You want to see something cool? If you don't have the time, just go right by that prayer wall today and look at how many have that answered stamp on them. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. We have people that have been healed. We have people that have had financial problems that have gone away. We have all kinds of things of how God is moving. And guess what? I got to stamp some of those because I got a text going, hey, Joe, God answered the prayer. And I'm like running across the parking lot, stamping it first because I wanted to like, yeah, this is awesome. God answered the prayer. It wasn't in my timing or their timing. It was in his. But we get to do that together. We get to be encouraged together. You'll see inside your bulletin if you want to grab that this morning. Or maybe you won't. I don't think, I might not have the latest. Uh, um, do you have a join the team card or something in there? We have it. Is there, yes, there we go. She's got it. Oh, they're in the seats. Okay, perfect. So everybody has availability. You have a card that says join the team or be part of the team. There's a whole bunch of areas to plug in with gifts. Time, talents, all those things. If there's something on that that touches your heart that, that, that you're um, praying about, take that card home if you're not sure and pray about it. See what it is that God would do. And, if, and guess what? I think it's still on there. I think there's another box at the bottom. That's for those that said, well, there's nothing that fits what I want. <laughs> so put what's on there in your heart. And here's what I want to share specifically. These are things that are actively part of my prayer time, actively part of the lift team, which is the vision and action team, and their prayer time. And as you can see, on this painting right here, there are parts that aren't painted yet. There are parts that are left undone. There are areas on here that are gaps, but it doesn't change the fact that God wants to complete that picture. It doesn't change the fact that as we take the next step into the future, that that's something he wants to do. And so that's how I treat these prayers. To be honest, sometimes I'm frustrated, but most of the time I look at it and I go, God, I know you're pointing over there, and I can't get there without this. I just can't, because I'm not going to do it. It will never be about me. It can't be, because next week I'm going to mess up and offend all of you, and I don't want you to be mad at Jesus because I'm a dork. So these things here, areas where volunteer coordinator, we need some more help in, in working with different volunteers, people that get on-ramped. I want you guys to know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. To not feel like, well, if I sign up for something, I'm stuck doing it for life. I want to have us engage and connect with those people. A small groups coordinator, we got a lot of ways that we're going to gather together and connect with other people. We need help there. Next, Bible study and mentoring leaders. These are people that say, you know what? I'm willing to lead a Bible study. I believe in the Bible. I, I, I've been engaged in this stuff before. I can teach it. I'd love to do. What, what do we got going on, Pastor? Mentoring. If you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a period of time, even if it's very small, there is someone who is one day less than you and needs to know how to walk more faithfully, walk more alive and passionate with Christ. Well, I don't think I'm ready for that. You don't realize the power of God. If you've been following Christ for one day, there's been someone that's only following him for half a day. You have something to share. And if you don't, we've got a whole book full of paper to share with you how to do it. I don't have the time. You can't not have the time. 
That's one of our biggest priorities, to walk alongside those. I have had multiple people, as I've walked through our mentoring program, by the second week, accepting Christ, because all of a sudden they're like, wow, I could completely church, but I do not have Jesus. It's phenomenal. Because it takes you through the basis, the roots of what Christianity really is. And finally, a worship leader. Now we have, and I know this, because I talked to some of you, we have many people in here who are talented with instruments. Many. But we need a leader. We need someone who is willing to work with a team, build a team, provide accountability, because here's what happens. If we say, you know what? Anybody who can play an instrument, you come on up here, Pastor Joe is going to make sure you all are standing in the right places, playing all the right songs. But without the prophetic vision and the leadership, what happens? Cats in a dryer. Not because the instruments and the people are not passionate about what they're doing, but they don't have the leadership to guide them. So I want to take each of the pieces of talent that are sitting in this room and lead them to something better and guide them and mentor them into something better. That's going to happen through leadership. So if that's something that's on your heart, something that you've done in the past, whatever it is, you know someone that's like, hey, listen, I'm not really part of a church. This is what my giftings and strengths were. Just grab them by their ponytail or whatever it is and just drag them here to church next Sunday and say, listen, this is the place for you. God's going to use that gift and talent. Most of all, if none of this fits where you're at, write those down as prayer requests. Because this is what I think about as I go through the day and I go through my weeks praying about things related to the church and my own walk and so on, is I, I know where God wants us to be. I know he said, go over there. And so I'm, we're faithfully walking. I'm faithfully walking. But there are times when I look and I go, God, there, there's, a, there's a ravine coming. And the only way I can cross that ravine is if I got the right bridge or the right rope or whatever. So God, please just provide those things. Provide those things and pray about these alongside me. Part of that is Galatians 6.2 with me that you carry that burden by praying. So here's what I want to do in closing this morning. As Jesse's wrapping up the, the painting and, and I have these markers here. The beginning of the teaching started, I'm just going to set these right here. The beginning of the teaching started with asking a question, what is Rise Chapel? And I think there was a community answer, and that was, I am Rise Chapel. So if you look at this painting here, and you see this is the Rise logo. I just have to say thank you. This is amazing. I'm really, should I do it? Should we do? Okay, husband said yes, so I'm, it's good. Let, let's just say thank you to Jesse for using her talents this morning. <laughs> by the way, by the way, something really exciting. I've been talking with her and another lady who doesn't even go to this church, who's like a complete coffee nerd like me of doing a special night of painting and special coffee for couples. So be praying for that too. It would be super, super exciting to be able to invite. And here's one of the things that's going to be part of that is bring your spouse and bring someone else who doesn't go here to that. So here's what we're going to do. You have this beautiful painting. Be careful of the middle of it all. We've got markers all right here. 
We all said with our mouths, I am Rise Chapel. But I want you guys to pray over writing it right now. We're going to pray. We're going to close in prayer. But the challenge is this, is to come up. We're going to have this painting here, maybe not in the same easel, but mounted up here for a month. And I'm challenging all of you to grab a marker, come up here on any of this white space around here, and write in here, we are Rise Chapel, and put your family name. I am Rise Chapel, and put your name, whatever it is. And pray over that. Because this isn't what makes you a Christian. This isn't what makes you, you know, effective in the community. But this is something that every single week, and we'll find a way to get this mounted and be, be part of what our fellowship is, and say, I am Rise Chapel. That the, that the vision of reach, grow, send is not the pastor's deal, but it's mine. It's mine. I am Rise Chapel. You are Rise Chapel. Those that weren't able to make it today, they are Rise Chapel. I got a chance to share with some of those that are serving, and I share with them, they're like, oh man, can I come over afterwards and sign it? I'm like, yes, we're going to have it up for a month. This isn't some weird cult thing. This isn't salvation. This isn't some requirement you're going to get a phone call. You know, I was checking the canvas, and I don't see Jimmy's name up here. No. This is your own personal time to commit and be connected to what God's doing. So I'm going to put these markers back down again. For some reason, I keep picking them up. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Because just like this, this, this church attendance and such and signing the paper and, and everything related to church isn't Christianity, I want us to realize something right now, that if your life right now doesn't connect with Christ... That if you are not part of that community and that message and that discussion of loneliness, that discussion on the fact that I, I don't have anybody that understands me and I am afraid of death, that entire sermon was because that is what Christians have, is that lack of fear, that victory. And if you want that this morning, whether it's coming back to Christ or it's coming to Christ for the first time, while we're all sitting here, Raise your hand, and I'd love to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? God, I thank you so much for doing in your son what could never be done. Joining two people together, just like it was prayed this morning, and this person didn't even know what the sermon notes were, that the only thing that is common among the entire world of people that gather together on a Sunday to worship you is Jesus. God, you bring people together that would otherwise be chucking bricks at each other, and you are awesome. God, I pray that you would heal the loneliness. God, that you would provide supernaturally the joy and community of believers. God, I give up all of these things, these groups and these ideas and these, these vision elements that you're putting together, these needs, God. I'm going to give them to you. Because you're the one in charge. And for those who raised their hands and did not raise their hands, we can pray, just say, God, I'm, I'm in such a great need of community.
I'm in such a great need of that forgiveness. Please bring me closer, God. Please give me your peace and change my life for you, God. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen.